Hello, we would like to welcome you to another episode of Reading Across the Curriculum, a book talk series on our Changemaker Conversations in Education podcast channel of the Alberta Regional Professional Development Consortia, or ARPDC. I'm Rick Gilson, Director of the Southern Office, and my co-host in this series is Charlie Craig with the Central Office of ARPDC. We are recording this from Alberta, and our guest is in Toronto. We acknowledge that we are on traditional territories in Alberta and Ontario of many First Nations, Métis and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries. We are grateful to all those who share their learning and understanding of this land and recognize the importance of learning from our elders and sharing this land in a manner which respects the history and time immemorial presence of those who have been here. Today, we welcome Dr. Greg Wells, CEO and founder of Wells Performance, a global consulting firm on a mission to elevate how we live our lives at work in life. Dr. Greg Wells is committed to working with leaders and educators to create the best possible environment, organizational and individual habits and culture for wellness. Greg's work touches upon all the pillars of wellness and well-being, drawing upon the extensive lived experiences and his personal study. Dr. Wells is a scientist and performance psychologist and has dedicated his career to exploring and researching human limits and making that science understandable and actionable. In addition to one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, which is the Dr. Greg Wells podcast, Health, Wellbeing and Peak Performance, Greg has written four bestsellers available wherever you buy your books and just a couple of weeks ago released his fifth, Powerhouse. We'll refer to all of the books in the notes for the episode and refer to several of them throughout our conversation here today. Uh, I've been blessed to work with Greg on a number of presentations and and he's very familiar with the work of ARPDC in supporting professional learning of teachers and the education community in Alberta. I felt that Greg's work and Alberta's new physical education and wellness curriculum aligned a great deal. Today, Greg would like to share some thoughts around a few of the organizing ideas of the curriculum and how we might use the next few months as educators. Uh, We might be able to use the summer to apply some of these foundational pieces in our own lives. It turns out the curriculum and its organizing ideas work for all of us and Greg's work can help us lead healthy, active lives. I'd like to just mention here that when we take a look at this, it's not to say that this book, this book, and this book should be textbooks for the curriculum, but rather that the information that's in the organizing ideas um, does align very much like chapters, and then inside the chapters, we find the things that are the knowledge and understandings, skills, and procedures that are in the curriculum are found in, in the books to various extents and can make our lives better. And uh, Basically, when we look at the organizing ideas in the curriculum, we repeatedly see them stating across a lifespan, across a lifespan. And that's why we've thought to bring uh, Greg on with us for a conversation today. So, Charlie, first question is up to you. Well, actually, before that, Greg, is there anything you would like to add before we dive in? Uh, no, Rick, other than just I'm, I'm so honored to be here. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have worked with so many of the Alberta school boards that you know, are obviously doing their best for kids. So anything that I can do to help everyone and support the new physical literacy uh, 
curriculum. I, I'm, I'm all over it and really, really honored to be here. So thank you so much. Thank you. And this podcast drops live on the first Tuesday in June. And then Greg will be back uh, with a province-wide um, webinar on August 29th, live from 9 to 11. And that recording will be made available to all the divisions uh, who have registered for it for the entire month of September. And we really appreciate your generosity and support in all of that. All right, Charlie, it's to you. I'm going to start with an easy question. And I know this is an easy question because Greg talks about in his book how there's a little bit of reading time carved out in his life every night before bed as part of his process to get him to fall asleep. So, Greg, what are you currently reading? <laughs> so there's two... Um, before you go to bed, I actually recommend that you read something that is like not going to make you think very much. So like, I don't want you reading new pedagogical, um, pedagogical techniques or researcher, or, you know, God forbid anything about like the news or politics. I want you reading something that is going to help you to calm down, to spark that dream like state. And so, uh, before I go to bed I, right now, I'm working my way through cause I'm a star Wars fan. Um, the Thrawn trilogy, because um, it's just sort of like non-movie related Star Wars stories that don't really mean anything. They're just fun. Um, they're pretty light reading and it just gets me into that state where I'm calm. I let go of what's gone on throughout the course of the day and I'm just chilling out. Um, professional reading, I actually like to do in the morning, believe it or not, like wake up early, read for 20 minutes, just about something that's going to spark my brain. Uh, and around that, I'm reading a lot from Dr. Peter Atia right now. I really like his approach to longevity. And so um, I'm reading a bunch of his stuff at the moment. So those are the sort of the two things I'm reading. And the professional stuff comes during the day, but the, the relaxing, easy stuff happens at night. I've also read stuff like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or anything like that that I can read. It just sort of is a very easy, light read for me late at night after a crazy day. I'm, I'm sure that you're going to refer to... Uh protecting the last hour at some point in this but that that reading routine and and reading from print material not uh, digital in that last hour is part of uh, part of that and and one that I've tried to take on in my life as well appreciate that it is a big piece of the puzzle Rick sorry to interrupt um like defending that last hour is one of probably the like the single most popular concept that we try to teach and our lives are busy. Like there's so much going on. We've got families, we've got our work, we've got our, you know, our hobbies, the things that we contribute to and volunteer our time towards. And it can be hard to give ourselves permission to slow down, to unwind and to deactivate our brains. And taking that last hour to decompress, to read or take a bath or meditate or do some yoga or talk to your loved ones, defending that last hour to allow you to decompress and to relax and to deactivate is so powerful for helping people to fall asleep. I know so many, you know, adults are typically doing stuff like either watching the news or watching a show, or maybe they're on, they're on YouTube, but our students are doing things like they're on TikTok or they're on whatever social media platform. So this is really, um, this is a, like a, across the lifespan approach that I think is really important for students. It's important for families. It's important for faculty, for staff, for all of us. Uh, just to give ourselves a chance to decompress and that we don't have to be connected to technology all the time. It's okay to disconnect and to be unavailable because it's really good for your brain when you do that. Perfect. Totally agree. Now, now Greg, uh, we thought that for this podcast, we might touch on four 
of the eight organizing ideas, um, not in any particular order. You had identified that you thought perhaps active living, movement skill development, healthy eating and healthy relationships would be the four that you'd like to touch on if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let's take a, a look at active living. How, uh, what do you have in mind uh, the the organizing idea in the curriculum is developing physical literacy through movement and active living supports well-being across a lifespan. So what advice would you have for us as we're heading into the summer to reload, recharge um, you know, uh, along that particular idea? Yeah, one of the areas I'm fortunate to work in is as a researcher at SickKids Hospital. And for the last 20 years, I've been doing exercise medicine research. So we do exercise for kids with cancer and cystic fibrosis. And I've had by a dozen, at least a dozen grad students come through my lab at various different times. And we've done all sorts of studies. We've done studies on cancer and cystic fibrosis and heart conditions and lupus and a whole bunch of other conditions. And we find over and over and over again that any time that you do any in exercise intervention, whether it's endurance training or strength training or stretching or even things like meditation and yoga, they all have a positive benefit. The kids get better. The problem is, is that when the exercise study is over, most of the kids stop exercising. And so as a result, what we now have realized is that it's not so much the exercise specifically, it's the, the fact that the kids are generally habitually physically active. And when we look at the data across all the different studies, the number one predictor of a good outcome in every single disease at every single, you know, pre-pubescent, pubescent, post-pubescent, adolescent in that entire range, uh, it depends upon your general habitual physical activity, which is kind of like your steps. So, you know, however many steps you're taking throughout the course of the day is a really great predictor for your overall health and well-being. We've looked into it throughout the entire lifespan from adults right through to, you know, geriatric research. And it's all the same pattern, physical movement, physical activity, not necessarily physical education, but physical activity is the key to living a long, healthy life, like a long lifespan, which is how long you live and a long health span, which is how long you live without a chronic disease. So the recommendation this summer is just to get outside, like go outside, go to the park, go for a bike ride, go for a hike, anything that you can do to be outdoors with your loved ones, your friends, or just by yourself. We all need to break every once in a while and go, go alone is going to improve your health and well-being and uh, definitely something that uh, I, I no longer care what you do. Walk, run, jog, swim, bike, paddle, lift, yoga, gardening, housework. It's all fantastic for you. So pick any of the above and, and get out there and just enjoy the summer. The weather's nice now. So let's go outside and enjoy it. As, as my Pilates instructor says, just get moving already. Just do the thing to get exercise in your day. Exactly. That's the exact approach, right? Like you don't call, don't overcomplicate it. The other thing is it doesn't matter how hard you go. Like if you go easy, it's, it's just as good as going and sweating. Um, it, uh, you're going to have to go a little bit longer to gain the same benefits, but you get benefits with three minutes of walking. Like you don't need to do very much and it doesn't need to be for very long. We now know that 15 minutes of walking is enough to reduce your risk of 13 different types of cancer by 24 to 40%. We know that 60 minutes of general habitual physical activity, like just moving around, gardening, housework is enough to cut your risk of cardiovascular disease by 40%. One single exercise session can completely reverse at the metabolic level type two diabetes for up to 48 hours. So 
it's incredibly powerful for us. You don't need to do very much and it doesn't need to be very intense. The one thing that it does have to be though is consistent. You do want to try to get out there as often as you can. And if you can do it every day or, you know, five days a week and three minutes works, how, you know, 10 minutes is better. 20 minutes is awesome, right? Like no judgment on any of this stuff. You're just looking to be a little bit consistent with that. Do you have any tips or suggestions on how one might improve that consistency? And, and I'm particularly as well wondering in the movement, maybe it's just because I'm feeling so stiff in my advanced years, uh, how much of that movement should be tied to some form of stretching and what the pros and cons are of that? Yeah, there's really four major realms of, of fitness. And you now I'm 51 now, how that happened, I have no idea, but I here I am. Uh, in my fifties. And (laughs) and, um, I am definitely noticing that if I do not stretch, I do not feel very good. Clearly in my twenties, that was not the case. It is now, but there are four broad, four general realms of fitness. And the first one is fitness. It's just that cardiovascular fitness, that stuff like walk, run, jog, swim, bike, paddle, anything that's rhythmic and repetitive in nature that elevates your heart rate. That's incredible for your heart your blood vessels, your lungs, and your blood. Obviously, it's that whole cardiovascular system benefits from that. Then we have force, the second F, which is anything where you're straining your muscles. That's gardening, housework, a spin class, walking up a hill or lifting weights. You're strengthening your muscles, building that force capacity. That's incredible for your muscles and your bones. Then we have interval training or going fast. That's the third F which is anything where you're changing speeds in life that manifests as sort of like running for the bus or, you know, walking with a lot of um, groceries from the car to the house, but it could be like a spin class, or it could be um, running up a hill or, you know, volleyball or soccer or any kind of team sport, if you happen to be doing any of that. And that's incredible for um, your tolerance for stress. It's incredible for your brain. And it's also really good for your type two muscle fibers. And the final piece of the puzzle is flexibility and stretching and mobility. And that's fantastic for your joints. And it's great for your blood flow. It's really good for your nervous system and calming you down. And all of them have benefits. They're all different and they're all fantastic. So if at this stage of your life, you're training for a marathon, that's cool. At some point in the future, you can add a little bit more yoga, or if right now you're feeling stiff, that's okay. Just do a little bit more stretching at this point in your life. Uh, If you're young, just enjoy the fact that it's easy for you to get, get out there and do pretty much anything and feel good while doing it. So just enjoy while you can. Uh, And of course, anything that you can do with your family and friends is going to make it exponentially better because when you're with other people doing things that you love, you have an incredible time and you're more likely to do it more often. Greg, I feel like I've heard the, the you talk about these four F's before. Um, what, which or how many books? <laughs> Where would one read a little more about this in your work? Um, so in terms of the books that we've written, I wrote Super Bodies in 2012. And that was what my first attempt at writing a book. Uh, and it was basically a textbook. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was kind of like just an exercise physiology textbook. So if you're into training for triathlon or you want to become a certified personal trainer, that's the one to go to because it covers every system inside the body, but it's pretty detailed and it's a bit of a physiology read. The next book I wrote was the ripple effect, which is about Mm -hmm. sleep, nutrition, exercise, and mindset. That's where I first introduced the concept of the, of the four F's. And that's the book that's done the best in my career. And 
uh, it's super accessible, very, very straightforward and very, very practical. And uh, if you're just interested in general health and well-being, that's your book. Uh, if you want to read about digital distraction and focus, that's the focus effect. If you're really tired, burned out and exhausted and overwhelmed, then uh, rest, refocus and recharge is a, a good bet because that one's just all about recovery and regeneration. The most recent book is called Powerhouse. Uh, and that's kind of pulling it all together. If I think about the ripple effect and rest, refocus, recharge and Powerhouse is sort of like the trilogy. This one's all about breath, about breath, mindset exercise, energy, and just thriving in life, kind of pulling it all together. Uh, and it's doing really, really well. It just came out a couple of weeks ago, actually. And it's uh, it's done extraordinarily well. I'm really, really proud of, of this one. And uh, I think people would really like it coming out of the pandemic when we need to get back to thriving again after languishing for a couple of years. Thanks. That's an excellent summary uh, of, or, well, a, a guide for us. Okay, what do I need a little bit more of now? Not summaries uh I'll pick this one up and go i i'm lucky enough to have them all and uh enjoy enjoy each and every one of them uh, this last one has been very interesting and i find myself thinking okay just breathe and even in the breathing combined particularly with the sleeping i'm regenerating and you circle back to how how all of that system works i also feel like active living in the curriculum uh organizing idea might require some active recovery uh, in the lifespan conversation, as, as you've outlined. Yeah, uh, you know, when we think about active living, if you even if you just look at an elite level athlete training for the Olympics, they're training for an absolute at the absolute maximum, five hours a day, four hours a day, and probably only two, uh, depending on the sport, like synchronized swimming would be eight hours, but track and field would only be two because it's just too damaging on the body. You can't actually train any more than that. And the rest of the day, the other 20 to 22 hours, you are doing things like having a massage. You're doing things like stretching. You're doing going to school. You may be doing a little bit of work. You're eating, you're sleeping. And it's what you do in the non-training hours that really determines whether or not you're going to be improving consistently over a long period of time. We encourage our athletes to think of themselves as a 24-hour athlete, not just an athlete when you're at the gym or on the track, but an athlete when you're preparing your meals, an athlete when you're learning. And that way you tend to bring your life into alignment with your goals. And if your goal is to be healthier, then you just sort of line up all of the different areas of your life to support that. And uh, that's an approach that seems to really help people. It also helps um, people from a whole host of different you not, don't have to be just an athlete to think about that. Some people just want to be healthier, in which case, you know, that's your daily walk that you really lean into. Um, but if you're not into exercise, that could be, you know, the one plant-based meal that you eat on Friday afternoons, just to, as that's your sort of your one thing that you're doing to move yourself forward. So it could be your meditation practice. It could be going and hanging out with your kids at the park outdoors on the weekends. There's a many, many different things that you can do that all contribute towards you uh, being better. But the key thing there is just sort of bringing your life into alignment with your goals, that whole 24 hour, quote unquote, athlete concept uh, will really help people to to do that and feel good about doing it, right? Because then it's all matched up with your identity. And when your actions match your identity, then it's inevitable that you will be successful and that you'll stick with it. Uh, that's drawing a little bit on the teachings of uh, um, James Clear and BJ Fogg and Tiny Habits and Atomic Habits in terms of 
you know, how do you see yourself? You know, do you, you view yourself as someone who's uh, alive and living and, and focused on being around for uh, a long time? You see yourself as a healthy person, then you, a healthy, active individual, uh, as an example to, to yourself and others, then these principles, you, you don't need the word athlete to have these uh, principles that you're outlining positively impact life is, is that's the message you're trying to get across to the non-olympic athlete readers and listeners all of us it's just like what like all of who us, are yeah. you right like and what do you believe in and and who do you really want to be uh, i got off the rails during COVID. i'll be transparent i got but didn't do enough physical activity for the first stretch because i was at home trying to figure out how to do zoom presentations so i could resurrect my career which died at the beginning of the pandemic because i'm a public speaker Clearly that wasn't happening. Uh, and I realized that I was feeling really bad, but it wasn't just that I was feeling bad because I wasn't moving enough, although that definitely was the case. It was that I wasn't acting as you know the person who I am and have been since I was 10 years old, which was you know competitive swimmer growing up, competitive swimmer in college at the University of Calgary, um, as then as a coach and then as a, as a sports physiologist, sorry, I'm in a gym, so there's some kids running by yelling, so I apologize for that, but we're all in an educational environment, so you guys get it, I'm sure anyone who's listening. Anyway, I got off the rails in terms of my own health and wellness and realized that I was not acting as the athlete, and that is my identity, is that I am an athlete. And so as soon as I started training again, I was like, oh, it feels so much better to be out for a run or whatever it happens to be. Now I am that, you know, that's my mindset. I'm a physiologist, I'm an athlete, I'm a researcher, but it's all in that space of health and well-being. It's who I am. It's easy for me to play in that space. Listening today, you might be a musician. You might be into drama. You could really love carpentry. You could just read, and that's not just, you could uh, perhaps most importantly be a mom, a dad, a family member, a brother, a sister, any, anything that elevates the world around us. If you're fortunate enough to identify as, quote unquote, a teacher who takes care of children and elevates their learning and their well-being and sets them on a different path in their life by showing them knowledge and awareness and understanding, oh my gosh, like there's just so many cool things that we can lean into here. But that really is what makes it very easy for you to move forwards with what it is that you're trying to accomplish. When your identity is aligned with your actions, it just feels effortless. And sometimes we need to work on that, figure out what is our identity? What is it that we are passionate about? And maybe there's some disconnection there that can be resolved with journaling or talking to friends or mentors uh, and working through all of that. But when you have it lined up, oh my gosh, it's like rocket fuel. So cool. I don't know if you intentionally just did this, Greg, but you've jumped into another organizing idea in the phys ed and wellness curriculum, which is around character development. And um just the ability to look and developing resilience and personal talents to promote that lifelong learning. And when you're talking about living your truly to yourself, um, when I went on maternity leave with our second son and I was no longer an educator, it was really hard to figure out who am I if I'm not that. And so um, I totally get it. If you're not living in your space of how you see yourself, it can derail you in your wellness journey um, and derail you as a human and figuring it that out and figuring out how to do the things that you want to do to feel like you are living your 
your truth or your purpose, however you want to talk about it, um, is a huge learning piece, I think, for a lot of folks to to figure out whether you are a kiddo in elementary school or you are the adult educator who's working with those kiddos. Yeah, and it was intentional, right? Like a leaning into this area of character is big for me. My son goes to a school and their number one principle is building character. It's why we chose that, that particular um, school for him to go to. And we're very fortunate that he's able to to go there. And um, I kind of almost think of character as like, what would you do if no one was looking? If no one would know what you're up to, would you still act in alignment with your values? And to me, that's everything. Because if no one's watching, you know, am I going to go for a walk or am I going to go to the gym? That's a big piece of the puzzle for me. Or if no one's watching, how do you treat other people? That's a big element of, of character, right? Like taking care of the world around us, making everybody better. Um, and you also mentioned meaning, which is super important and very, very powerful because we do know that when people have meaning in their lives, when they are acting, um, spending their time, effort, energy, and attention and directing that towards something that is meaningful to them, whether that's family or art or drama or teaching or whatever your, whatever your, um, interests or passions happen to be, whatever is meaningful to you in your life. When you are able to do that, you are able to do so many other things. Uh, your mental health improves dramatically. Your tolerance for stress increases significantly. Your resilience improves exponentially. And we also know that peak experience, those magic moments that we have in our life that you remember forever that are fundamentally transformational in a positive way are, are, are experienced when you are in a state of flow which means that you have, you're relaxed and you are energized doing something that is meaningful to you. So it's flow plus meaning equals peak experience. That's how we craft. That's how, it's how we create that. So literally magic moments, like the beautiful moments in our lives where we learn something that changes the path, the trajectory of your life, or you have that magical experience where you realize that this is what you are meant to do, or you stare into the eyes of a loved one, or you are laughing with your friends as you're all out doing something super fun, right? These magic moments that we have in our, in our life, that's what makes life worth living. That's what makes life rememberable, you know, memorable, if you will. Uh, and that all comes from everything that we're talking about. Charlie, do you have any follow-up on that? No, I'm just really enjoying this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Part part of my brain is thinking, okay, what picture books can I include with this, um, with with some of these elements? Because that's just where my brain goes. Um, because sometimes when you can see these concepts played out in some sort of a text, then it's easier to talk about it with students. And I know our target audience right now is teachers and their teacher selves, their adult selves. Um, but that's just inevitably where my brain wanders off to. So um, I'll add some stuff to the show notes around uh, some you know, ideas. Some, some imagery around that is like when you, your body just works in such a way that you like, you hit the basketball shot or you swing the bat and you connect with the ball or you play the piece of music or you sing the song or you act out the piece or you write the test, right? It's those moments of high energy and relaxation and flow. That's the magic. Um, and it can also be like laughing with your friends. It can also be hugging someone who you love, right? Any of the above 
like works to create this um, feeling and sensation that we have that elevates life, right? It's just that all of those sorts of things coming together and um, all of those images flowed into my brain as you were saying like, yeah, picture book. And I was like, oh yeah, no, that's like that kid hitting the shot. That's, excuse me, that child hitting the shot, right? All those sorts of things. So yeah, it's fun. So just like the best parts of life. Love it. Uh, absolutely. And as, you, as you're talking about this, I found myself taking a look through the curriculum here a little bit for conversations around, um, and again, for our listeners in Alberta, uh, I have a bias in that I believe the physical education and wellness curriculum should have been named wellness and physical education for life and uh, appreciate lifespan being in a number of the organizing ideas. But I'm, I'm also intrigued like rest and uh, recovery are, are key components of healthy, active living and the word rest and or sleep they're they're covered introduced in kindergarten and grade one uh curriculum but that curriculum applies for all of us like all the way through and greg could you talk a little bit about the importance of rest as part of the recovery piece we all know we've all the three of us and any who have had children know that a, a, a little one they're they're go 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 and then they'll fall asleep and their face will just land in the spaghetti like they're done <laughs> yeah right they, they they just fall asleep and as adults we fight that off to our detriment um a little bit so maybe the importance of of rest and sleep to this entire process of actually living an active life and and having good uh relationships you know, if you're active physically or you're active mentally, you break down the foods that we eat to create energy in the form of ATP in muscles or in neurons inside the brain. And when you break ATP down, you end up with an ADP or adenosine diphosphate and um, another phosphate molecule. And the phosphate goes off to enable you to like contract the muscles or create the electricity in your brain that creates the thoughts. But there's a buildup of adenosine in the brain. And there's a buildup of other waste products like lactic acid and hydrogen and potassium and number of other compounds in the muscles. So that when we are physically active, when we are mentally active, fatigue inducing compounds increase in number and sort of like exhaust, right? Like if you're in a, in a, in a garage and you turn on the car and you leave the exhaust going, eventually the exhaust will fill up the garage until you open up the doors and all of that exhaust goes out. And that's what we need to do with our brain. When we sleep, we clean out the waste products and it allows through the gliolymphatic system for the brain to clear out viruses, bacteria, broken down cells and waste products and the muscle tissue after your exercise or after your physical activity or after you walk up a flight of stairs and you've created those waste products, which you experience as muscle burning when you're doing an intense workout or you're just walking up the stairs or you're lifting groceries or whatever it is, your muscles feel that strain and you need to clear out those waste products. When we clear out the waste products through rest or sleep um, or massage or hot cold or you know a number of other modalities that you can use, but when you give yourself permission to rest, recover, regenerate, then your muscles heal, repair, and regenerate and get stronger. Your brain heals, repairs, recovers, and gets stronger. And so we become more mentally resilient. We become more physically um, strong. 
And so rest is a key piece of the puzzle. And just imagine an athlete training 24 hours a day, they would be sick and injured within three days. They wouldn't be able to continue actually probably even less than that a day. They would have to stop. You simply cannot be activated at all times. We must as humans alternate periods of stress mentally and physically with periods of rest. And when we alternate stress plus rest, we end up in a growth, a place of growth. Steve Magnus and Brad Stolberg coined the term or the equation stress plus rest equals growth in their book, Peak Performance. I love that. Stress plus rest equals growth. Stress plus stress equals illness, equals burnout, equals fatigue. Um, but when we insert those periods of rest and recharge, that actually leads to growth. Stress is good for you as long as there's a rest period afterwards. That rest period can come in the form of meditation, can become in, come in the form of nature, come in the form of a hot bath, saunas, you know, cold water immersion, reading fiction, journaling, laughing with friends, you know, eating amazing healthy food. Like there's so many ways for us to recharge that are so incredibly good for us. And it has never been more important for us to include those periods of deliberate rest, recovery, and regeneration in the school system itself during the course of the day we are seeing dramatic terrifying and 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 devastating rises in the instance of violence in schools uh, and there's a host of different reasons for that that we don't need to get into but we do know that when we incorporate rest recover regenerate during the course of the day that incidences of violence goes down great an example is the baltimore school board that did a project where they had the kids do two minutes of mindfulness during the course of the day. And when meditation was included during the day in the, in the classroom, the incidences of violence went down, <clears throat> excuse me, went down 80%. Two that minutes. made the front cover. Yeah. Just a couple minutes of meditation a day resulted in an 80% reduction in um, a violence in those schools. It made the front cover of time magazine. There was a huge report on it. It was super cool. So there's many different things that we can do. And the nice thing about it is that it doesn't cost money. It just takes time and it's not complicated. Breath work is awesome. Nature, nature exposure is fantastic. Prayer works. If that's in your belief system, all of these tactics, um, strategies and tools and practices and routines and rituals make a difference for us. Uh, even ourselves. And, uh, and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking back to some of the days as a principal, vice principal teacher, and we'd be having big debates about whether the class needed to be uh, 82 minutes or 80, uh, 75 minutes or 77. And because they needed these minutes of instruction. And here I find myself thinking uh, 65 minutes of instruction, five minutes of rest, relaxation, meditation. That might have been better for the entire organization. It would Is have exponentially improved. No, it's not at all. And the, the data would back that up completely. That if you were to add in, let's say it's a 60 minute class and you included 10 minutes of active recovery in there in some way, shape or form, the amount of learning that would occur in the, in the 50 minutes would be um, significantly better than if you don't include it. Um, we, we know that the evidence of that is profound. And if you include physical activity in that equation, we also know that that improves learning concentration agile thinking, creativity, and problem solving, all critical aspects of the ability for us to improve. We also know that stillness, however, on the other end of the equation, improves metacognition, learning. So alternating periods of physical activity with periods of stillness 
is what enables us to learn and then encode that learning into our brains long term. We know that rhythmic repetitive activity improves problem solving, creativity, innovation, uh, all of those types of activities. So basically bursts of physical activity improve attention and concentration, your ability to focus. Stillness will give you that ability to learn and practice metacognition and reflection and rhythmic repetitive movement sets the stage for problem solving, creativity, innovation, those sorts of activities. So we can definitely use physical activity to improve our ability to learn across a number of different um, styles of learning or brain function and cognition. Charlie, I was thinking of the elementary schools that uh, as I listened to Greg talk about this periods of activity, I think our K to three teachers, they get this because they've got all manner of sort of brain break activities, uh, throw some kind of a YouTube up and everybody's dancing and singing along and, and then turn that off. Now reset. Now we're into this next piece. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily the way you would do it in a in a high school setting, but I think you should. And, you know, it's funny, you know, sit in your desk, stay in your desk, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But as adults, we don't have to sit in our desk, stay in our desk. If you need to, you need to get up and walk around a little bit to get the juices flowing, you get up and walk around a little bit to get the juices flowing. That in real life is what you're, you're hitting on here. Did that, does that hit it, Greg? It does. I think it's a great way to summarize it. And it's okay to be creative. It's okay to experiment. It's okay to talk to your students about this. It's okay to try things out and then ask them how they feel. It's okay to, you know, run little, little experiments like middle of math class. If you notice that your, your group is not, you know, able to sit still stand up, do 30 seconds of shadow boxing, let them go and completely explode with physical energy and then bring them back down and reset. And you will be absolutely shocked at what happens to their ability to concentrate and to focus and to um, keep learning. It, it It's really a subtle um, art, actually, if you will, as a teacher, like you're watching your class, you're paying it, you know, you've got them in the zone, they're learning, they're moving, and then they start to get restless. They start to, you know, be distractible. That's your moment. Stand up, shadow boxing, squats, lunges, you know, absolutely anything to get them moving whatsoever for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, even sit back down. And I promise you that they will be right back on task afterwards. Just experiment with it, see what happens and ask the students how they feel afterwards too, because I bet you that when they think about it and they experience it, they're going to absolutely love it and feel so much better. You're not causing them to sweat. You're not causing them to have to change clothes or anything like that. You are just simply moving to spark the brain. And not just the students, but the teachers too. Why not? Like, it's a long day, you know, there's a lot for us to get through. We're pushing our brains. We get tired. We get fatigued. Why not do it yourself? Like, it's a chance for you to build your own workouts into the day while you're teaching with your students. Imagine a year where every single class, you did 60 seconds of physical activity halfway through the class, how you would be physically different in the following June. It's only four times maybe like three, four, five, six times a day, you're doing 60 seconds of activity. Five days a week is half an hour. A month is two hours over the course of 10 months. You know, like it just, it, it's so exponential when you it's add it up over time. Yeah, it's entirely the principles of tiny habits, right? You, you, 
you bring it down to bite-sized achievable pieces all the way through this i kept on thinking okay and and here 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 and here insert tiny celebrations because those tiny celebrations uh, create that emotional connection to it and and they become just part of who you are and and part of your habits uh, wherever you can you know i got the sentence done little this little celebration go exactly and those little celebrations are magic because we don't do that enough as high performers as people that are you know interested in helping and serving others we're constantly looking forwards we're constantly looking to the next thing we're constantly planning yeah often we don't look back enough we don't celebrate how far we've come we don't celebrate that you know, we've done a good job in that moment we've made a difference we've helped others the kids are learning they are doing well and we're hard on ourselves the world has um you know there's a certainly a, a, a trend around around that um having a hard it's hard to celebrate yourself i say that it's like really hard for me to celebrate myself i say that like personally right but when i look back i'm like wow i actually have come a long way i you know i did do all of these things with my family i did have all of these opportunities to speak to people and make a difference in people's lives you look back you're like oh my gosh that's like a huge body of work or that's a lot of experiences that i've had with my kids it is really it is actually just as important for us to look back and celebrate as it is to look ahead and plan. Absolutely. Now, Charlie, we we know we've been having a little bit of fun with your internet connection and lost you there. Did you have something you'd like to add right now while we got you? Oh, well, I was just going to be um, maybe a little snippy um, so you can keep it or leave it in the podcast. But as Greg was talking, I couldn't help but think, if anyone else needed reasons to never take recess away from students again, therein lies the reason. <laughs> we need to have time to get our energy back through the expelling of energy. Um, that's what gives focus, not taking those kinds of opportunities away. And um, I am horrible for taking breaks when I'm at my desk and getting up and doing the moving and all of those kinds of things. And so if we can practice those as, as adults, um, as, as humans who are aiming to live well, um, then maybe we'd be more likely to remember them for our students as well. Yeah, completely agree with that. And um, it's counterintuitive, right? Like, it's easy to take away recess because it's 15 minutes. That 15 minutes makes it easier to program in so many other things throughout the course of the day, but it also decreases the effectiveness of all of those different times. And so when you add, you know, it's almost like slowing down in order to speed up, do less in order to accomplish more, be um, efficient and effective and, you know, do the important work, not the busy work. It's a complete rethinking of how we approach these sorts of things and to do it in a constructive evidence-based way we know that this works the research is very very clear about what it um how we can improve brain function through physical activity through nutrition through meditation through mindfulness we just need to apply these things and make some hard decisions about what our what our priorities are and if we lead with health and wellness everything else follows if you're healthy and well it's easy to learn if you're stressed and tired it's almost impossible and obviously there's things that are out of our control and there's horrific stuff happening in some homes um, and in our in our world that we need to acknowledge and address and and reconcile and solve. 
Because when our holistic life is going well and our children's entire lives are going well, then that's what makes the, a better future almost inevitable. And that's not easy right now, but that's our work. That's the practice. That's why we're having these conversations. That's why you know, we're employed in the jobs that we have. And it's an invitation to to start to walk the walk a little bit and learn along the way. Give yourself some grace too. Is it, you know, um, best best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago. Next best time today. Best time to have some healthy activity habits was a few years back. In my case, uh, closer to ninety than I am to thirty. Uh, but um, today's the next best time to start. And and you know if you set you get started on a habit uh, and you go a few days in a row and then you miss a day well don't miss a second day start over again just build your winning streaks in all of these things that you've been talking about uh, resting getting up from your desk uh, you know we're we're inviting teachers to to listen to this podcast and look at what they might incorporate here in the last couple of weeks of June uh, and then through the summer for themselves thinking about how they might bring that into the classroom to get started with their new routines in the new year. Before we wrap up, I want to slide over here a little bit into the importance of healthy eating. And when Greg, when you and I were visiting about this a little bit, I mentioned that there are some folks who were a little surprised to see financial literacy come into physical education and wellness curriculum. And yet the importance of having financial literacy and its impact on active living and healthy eating, um, pretty evident when we think of it that way. But can you talk a little bit about the importance of eating over the lifespan? What kind of things we can do to help the, our, our little ones in school, our, our, middle, our middle school and high school students, but also ourselves, so that we've got the energy to embrace the job and not slide towards that, uh, that sort of burnout, exhausted, fatigued area? Can you take yeah, that one? Sure. Um, you know, nutrition is a huge piece of the puzzle when it comes to our health and well-being. And I know we know that there's so many different styles of eating. And the really cool thing is that when we go back to traditional styles of eating, that the vast majority of them are incredibly healthy for us. Traditional styles of eating from around the world are healthy and they improve health, human health and well-being. The big problem is around the standard North American diet and junk food and processed foods. Really, if we just eliminate those two things or reduce them, we're going to be going in a, in a good direction. Uh, and so we're just simply interested in a little bit less processed food, a little bit less junk food, a little bit more uh, of eating the rainbow, um, and we'll end up in a really great place. Three simple ideas are eat real food that you recognize as food, like it doesn't come out of a box. Make it yourself, eat it with family and friends. If you follow those three simple simple ideas, you're probably going to land in a really good place most of the time. You don't need to land there all the time. We go for ice cream every once in a while. It's no big deal. But um, definitely nutrition enables you to have that energy to fuel your active brain, your active body, but it also heals, repairs, and regenerates your tissues. So just as much as it's energy, it's also healing for us. Uh, and so, you, you know, you want to take care of your children. You want to feed them healthy food. You want them to feel good. You want them to have energy, but make sure that we're doing that for yourself too. And as much as you take care of others, take care of yourself. And one of the nice ways of, of treating yourself is to give yourself permission to have the foods that are really, really good for you. Prepare them in advance, make it easy, make success inevit uh, inevitable. 
Um, and then every once in a while, you know, have a treat, no big deal. Have the birthday party um, cake, no, no stress. Um, but in the meantime, let's try to just do the best we can on a daily basis and just eat a little bit more of the good stuff and a little bit less of the bad stuff. Can you talk just a little bit more? You, you said eat with uh, friends and family, and, and I'm mindful of some commercials that were put out. I, I can't remember which grocery chain had it where they, they gathered the, the whole floor of the apartment into tables pulled out into the hallway, and everybody shared the meal together, and it it broke down barriers, and, and it seemed to have effect beyond whatever the food was. I don't know if you've seen those as well, but... Why did you fold that piece into this healthy eating? You know, if there's one thing that we saw during the pandemic is that when humans are separated from each other, it's it's not good. We don't feel good. We need community. We need that sense of togetherness. Uh, and I'm a respiratory physiologist, to be clear. I believe in what we needed to do around masks and social distancing, but that's over now. And it had a, kept a number of people alive. And now we need to come back together again um, and rebuild that sense of community. And there's very good research that shows that when humans have strong social connections, that it is one of the most powerful predictors of decreased mortality or how long you will live. So when we have those strong social connections, you increase your likelihood of living a long time. Social connections are greater predictors of longevity than quitting smoking, than quitting drinking, than doing cardiac rehab after a heart attack. Even stronger predictors than physical activity, which really bothers me because I'm a kinesiology grad and i think exercise solves all problems apparently not right i could have i joke that i could have skipped the workout and gone for a beer with my buddies in bed better off but um obviously that's like just trying to make fun of it but point being is that like these strong social connections really really matter and so i loop that in whenever i can instead of doing a workout alone do a workout with a friend instead of eating alone have a meal with a friend you know there's some um life is short and you're you're never going to regret taking time to connect with people that you love Right. So that's just a, a simple thing that we can do. And the more often we do it, the better off we're all going to be. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, Greg, uh, I, I want to just remind our listeners, particularly the teachers in Alberta, that, that you know, you, you agreed to, and we're very grateful that you agreed to visit with us and record this podcast episode today um, with the desire to to give uh, some words of encouragement to teachers to to use uh, the rest of June and July and August to to um, to basically follow the principles of rest, refocus, and recharge, and continue to learn. But do you have any concluding thoughts you'd like to share um, before uh, we get together again with uh, teachers all across the province at the end of August? Sure. I mean, let, let's just go back over the last few years and think about summer, like right? summer of 2021 uh, was a pandemic summer. It was, it, it was what it was. We don't need to revisit it, but it certainly wasn't restful. Let's just put it that way. It was, we were all on high <laughs> alert. Then the summer of 2022, if you remember, was uncertain. We didn't know if we were going to be in live in class or if we were going to be still uh, learning remotely. Or if it would be a combination of those two things. And once again, we were on we were on alert because we didn't know what was coming. There was uncertainty. There was fear. There was um, additional work required to prepare for any eventuality because we had no idea what was going on. And so people didn't rest that summer either. So this summer, please, everyone listening, if you've made it this far in the show, you're engaged. So congratulations. You're an hour in. Um, let's take a break, like a real break. 
Give yourself permission to take a month without looking at your email. Spend time with friends, spend time with family, read the books, do the gardening, go for the walks, do the projects, lean into the hobbies and give yourself a chance to come back to life because it has been a hard few years and teachers have been on you know the front lines of everything that's gone on and it's been stressful. It's taken a toll and that's okay for you to give yourself permission to repair, recover, regenerate and heal a little bit. So let's all do that together and I'll see you in August and we'll all have a lot of energy and we'll have a really good time and um, we'll set ourselves up for an amazing 2023-24 school year. Fantastic. That is a great way to wrap it up today. Uh, we are so grateful to you for uh, your time and for the conversation. We look forward to the uh, webinar that will go uh, live from 9 to 11 on August 29th. Uh, registration for that is uh, free to school divisions and education authorities, band authorities across Alberta. You can get there through the SAPDC website. It's also uh, searchable on any of our other offices across the province. You just hit that search bar and type in there Greg Wells and it'll pop right up. And uh, one registration per school division is all that is required to get it to everybody, but any school can register. And we really look forward to uh, a couple of hours with uh, expanding on some of these principles, still looking at the physical education and wellness curriculum, but looking at it for our students and ourselves. So together we can, as you said, Greg, have an amazing 23-24 school year and beyond, because that's what this is for, lifespan. <laughs> and when we all hope for the longest lifespan we can possibly have, that's rich and rewarding. So thank you so very much for your time. Charlie, any final thoughts? Thanks, Greg. This was a great way to kick off uh, summer. And uh, I'll be putting your words in my auto e email reply. Greg said I don't have to reply to emails for the next month. Suckers. Yeah, blame it on me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Please contact him if you have any questions. Yeah, DM me on Instagram if it's a hassle. I will be in the mountains yeah. in Alberta as well. So I have no cell phone reception. It'll be a massive awesome. list of stuff for us to get through when we hook I up I think that's a great August. plan. Right yeah, on. I love it. You know, the next part of that is not being panic-stricken when you have a big bunch of emails when you come back. That's the whole thing. Like when Simple on the whole solution. Back, ah. Control A, delete. It's all good. <laughs> Just delete them all and start fresh. If it's really important, <laughs> they'll get back to you. <laughs> I'm getting myself Ooh. in trouble now. You're going to have to edit <laughs> that part out. Dear Superintendent. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks very much, folks. We look forward to seeing you again and appreciate you subscribing and following the ARPDC podcast. And uh, again, remind you, check out Greg Wells' podcast. Tons of great guests. Lots of fantastic thought. I followed something I heard just this week on one of your episodes, Greg. Uh, I was walking zombie and I just said to my wife, I got to take 20 minutes. Greg Wells said I need a 20 minute sleep and I'll feel a lot better. And if I sleep past 20, let me sleep 90 because then I'll get a full cycle, but then get me up. And I hit 90 and I just popped up. And uh, I was like a, a super engaged husband for the rest of the night. And that was fantastic. Okay, thanks. Take care, everybody. We will see you again.